Food Heals Nation, what have you been doing lately when it comes to truly caring for your skin? Have you tried any of the light therapy facials or the LED masks? I've shared on this show how I use lasers to completely remove my brown spots in the past, and I love anything that can help me with wrinkles or blemishes or redness or scars. I find a lot of great products on YouTube that I test out, and I've just discovered a new brand. It's called Lima, and when you see the before and afters on YouTube, you're going to be a convert too. They are changing the way that you care for your skin on actually a profoundly scientific level. This is the Lima laser. It's the world's most powerful clinic grade cosmetic laser device and the only laser FDA cleared for at home use. Why this is important is because I was spending, I'm not going to tell you how much, way too much money years ago when I was getting rid of those brown spots when I was really healing my skin. And now This same type of technology is available at home, and I'm here for it. I am so excited. So this is a near-infrared laser light that penetrates deep into the dermis, simultaneously working on your fat, muscle, and bone to give you like a non-surgical facelift. It transforms your skin. It helps skin issues like wrinkles, sagging, blemishes, pigmentation, redness, breakouts, and scars. And it does this with zero damage, zero pain, and zero downtime. And I remember the lasers that I used to do, they did have some downtime, so this is great. Make sure to check out some of the before and after photos on the website so you can see what I'm talking about. They have YouTube videos too. But the reason it's groundbreaking is it uses that near-infrared low-level light technology, which is completely cold and painless, and it's 100 times more powerful than an LED. And the craziest part is you can even use it with a full face of makeup. So check it out for yourself. Visit lima.life. L is for live. Y is for younger. M is for masterful. A is for approved, and learn more about the Lima Laser. If you're interested in trying one today, you can sign up for their newsletter. Tell them that Food Heals sent you, and please let me know if you order one. I want to hear about your results. Again, it's lima.life, L-Y-M-A dot life. Y'all, oh my God, Food Heals Nation, I just got the softest sheets and pajama set from Cozy Earth, and I had to go and get you a discount code too, so that you could experience the coziness as well. You can visit CozyEarth.com, use the promo code FOODHEALS, and you'll get an exclusive 35% off. So Cozy Earth, it's like your one-stop shop for what they call the luxury she deserves. So listen up, guys because this could make a great gift for that special someone, your girlfriend, your wife, the mother in your life. And don't forget, Mother's Day will be here before we know it. So get a gift for the mom or moms. Here's a nice little gift you could ask for. Anyways, let's start with the sheets to transform your sleep. The coolest thing about Cozy Earth Bedding is that it is temperature regulating. So you stay cool, which is so important when you're sleeping. Plus they are just so soft. It feels like I'm sleeping on a cloud. Plus I love the cozy earth quality and longevity promise. All products come with a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty. So incorporating cozy earth products into your self-care routine can enhance your sleep quality and just overall wellness. So Again, this is the luxury you deserve. You can treat yourself to the ultimate in comfort and indulgence with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear and prioritize your self-care and sleep health. And while you're at it, don't forget to check out the Bamboo Pajama Set. It was awarded Oprah's Favorite Things in 2019, so you know it's good. I love the softness and breathability of the fabric, and it has these really great side pockets. And don't forget that by supporting our sponsors, you support this show. Head over to CozyEarth.com, use the promo code FOODHEALS for an exclusive 35% off, and go get your mom the luxury she deserves on Mother's Day at CozyEarth.com with promo code FOODHEALS. Food Heals Podcast, episode 255. And then all of a sudden, all these pieces started coming together when I wanted to talk to patients that, that wanted to know more and wanted to know why they have what they have or what they can do. Usually it's like, come back and get a CAT scan. You know, mm. we'll check your blood. Yeah. Six months. We'll see you later. Good luck. And so I was like, oh, there's so much more you can do. And then my patients were like, why don't you write a book? And this is what this book's about. I call it The Four Houses of Health. 
So it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. It's all evidence-based stuff. And now there's so much research coming out about this link between cancer, about trauma and disease. Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In real cases, women have experienced a strong desire to stop asking their boyfriends if they look fat and stress. If you experience any of these symptoms, post a selfie to Instagram immediately. All right, welcome, Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Allison Melody. Today, we're chatting with board-certified cancer specialist, Dr. Roy Vongtama. Dr. V has degrees in biological basis of behavior from the University of Pennsylvania, a medical doctorate from the University of Buffalo, and postgraduate training at UCLA. His additional work includes authorship in 14 peer-reviewed scientific papers, hundreds of hours of studies in nutrition, positive psychology, emotional wellness, and meditation techniques. Dr. V believes in a holistic approach, a mind, body, and spirit approach when it comes to healing cancer. I know you're going to love this episode, Food Heals Nation. It's a two-parter, so stay tuned for this week and next week with Dr. V. Next up, my interview with Roy. The Food Heals Podcast starts now. He's done more than 7,000 hours of silent meditation and has led hundreds of group meditations, given public talks and private coaching for people interested in taking more control over their health. And his brand new book, Healing Before You're Cured, was just published. Please welcome Dr. V. Hey, how's it going, Allie? Thanks for having me on. I'm really happy to have you here because you are doing the work that I wish that I had known about um, years ago when both of my parents, first my mother, then my father, were facing cancer diagnoses. And I was in North Carolina, small beach community. There was no green juice. There was no yoga studios. There was no holistic health. There was no therapy was for crazy people. Like I was living in a different world than like this mecca of health that we live in LA now. And so I'm so excited for you to tell Food Heals Nation all about your practice and what you're doing to help people heal mind, body, and spirit and your specialization with cancer. Wow, that's that's awesome. And of course, as I'm excited to talk about this, totally passionate about it. But you just ex- described every city on the Northeast. Right. Everywhere. I'm from Buffalo. Yeah. So that's still <laughs> like that. So You feel me. Yeah. Yeah, I totally feel you. Um, can I ask you what, what kind of cancer your mom and dad had? So my mom was carcinoma of unknown origin. And what that meant to me at the time, and please feel free to give your diagnosis, but what it meant was they tested everything. They tested different tissues. They tested her colon, her breasts, everything, and they couldn't find an origin. And so they didn't have a strategic treatment plan for that. But they did you know, douse her with radiation and chemotherapy and an experimental surgery and all of the things, but it wasn't targeted because they didn't know where the what right. it, what the cause was. Looking back, I can now say she was on about fifty different medications wow. because she had multiple sclerosis. Oh, so her immune system was pretty compromised. Yeah, was compromised. Yeah. Uh, and your dad? His was liver. Okay. And that one makes sense because we, not only did we eat a poor diet <laughs> back then, but also he was a drinker and a smoker. So it sounds like buffalo again. Yeah. But in the South. Exactly. More, yeah. Exactly. And, you know, I know we're going to talk about the emotional cause of disease because that's something you and I are both passionate about. But with my father, his brother was run over by a car um, when he was very young. His father took his own life. And then when I was older, obviously, my mom had cancer. So he lost the love of his life. His mom died around the same time. So this man has dealt with so much trauma, but never truly dealt with it. Never dealt with it. Just pushed it down and you know, yeah. turn to drinking. And I can't fault him for that. <laughs> that's, that's intense. You know, I mean, like growing up, so my dad's uh, a cancer doctor, and so is my brother, and so am I. But, um, you know, when I was growing up, I saw a lot of people doing like everything they could that the doctor, the oncologist would give them. And it wasn't enough, you know, right. a lot of times. And then as growing up through medical school and my training, I started looking, you know, there's got to be something else. It can't just be that you finish treatment, and they tell you, 
you're done. Just come back in six months. To me, yeah. if you just come back, you're back into the life that you put you there in the first place. You haven't changed anything. Exactly. You haven't oh. changed anything. So <laughs> I get really fired up when patients come back and they say, yeah, the other doctor told me I don't, doesn't matter what my diet is. It doesn't matter. And just, I just got to show up. And, and I'm like, if you do that, it's like your car was on fire and then you took it to the mechanic and then they said, just go back and drive it the way you're driving. Like, no, you can't. It's going to get on fire again. So right. there's a lot of stuff you can do. And, you know, one of the things, the reason why I wrote uh, Healing Before You're Cured um, was, one, to make it evidence-based so it's coming from an MD, but also because there's a lot you can do before your car gets on fire, before you have a problem. And if we can just reach like a couple people, even through this podcast, to take a look at this part of your life, I think it's going to be really important. And I spent seven years looking at all this research in the area that you're talking about too, about trauma and cancer. It's developing, but there's actually stuff there that like doctors like MDs in medical school, we don't learn about. Mm-hmm. We don't hear anything about it. So of course, I went to give a talk at a hospital and I was talking about how positive thinking and using affirmations and helps your mind and it charges in your body. And then he raised his hand and he was like, this is a religion talk, not a science talk. Uh. And I go, well, you know, it's funny. You see that study I have up on the PowerPoint? He's like, yeah. I'm like, can you say what that is? And he's like, it's cancer. I'm <laughs> like, right. Isn't that a pretty big journal, right? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, well, do you think they made that up? He's like, well, they could have. I'm uh. like, okay, well, if you're going to go that way, you uh. know, but you know, that's the thing is like, we're so indoctrinated as MD sometimes that we get in a super narrow mindset. And so, you know, one of my things is I do talk to a lot of hospitals and mostly I'm looking to reach like people that are listening to your podcast right now, because it doesn't matter if I change your mind. It's if you already believe this and you go deeper into the work, you can really make a change. One of the things that I'm really big on is like people who are really into food, for example, you know, Hippocrates said, uh, let thy food be thy medicine, medicine be thy food, right? Favorite quote ever. Right, right. It's a beautiful quote. Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing about that. And not, not, to, not to say anything bad about that, but that's only a part of it. That's kind of like looking, going to a buffet and only making a left and just getting, you know, the vegetables. But you have to look on the other. You have to look both sides. So there's not just physical. There's not just nutrition. There's mental. There's emotional. There's spiritual. And how they all connect to back to giving you that health is super important. Like people are always like, what about me? What about me specifically in my history? I'm like, well, listen, there's only one health. There's one it involves physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. Now, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what disease you have because your body operates optimally with this one health and it involves all of them. I was talking to my friend who's in math and there's a curve that's called like a normal curve. And anyway, it's a science thing. But <laughs> If the curve goes up, most people like in LA are super healthy or listen to this podcast. They're on the 90% already of food. They're like, so should I do alkaline water? Should I do organic? Should I do, you know, this, that? I'm like, listen, your dad died when you were five. You know what I mean? Have you dealt with that? Have you looked at that? Mm -hmm. You know, and also I noticed that, you know, anytime anything happens to you, it's somebody else's fault. Mm -hmm. You're the victim. You're the victim. Mm -hmm. You know, how about those things? And how about this? You know, I noticed when we've talked for five minutes, you haven't sat still. You know, and that's yeah, a spiritual people, thing. Yeah. There's all these things that, yeah, you're on the 90% in food and, you know, great. You're drinking a lot of water, juicing, you know, organic, raw, or, you know, whatever you're doing, you're so high on that one. But there's so much more that you can get more benefit on if you're like at the 15, 20% level of health in spiritual, mental, or emotional. That's where you need to look. Keep your diet. Now add something else. It does get a little overwhelming if I start talking about all of them. You know, is there one that you want to talk about, like you personally, that... Oh, Dr. V, you don't understand. All my listeners know that I'm like freaking out right now because I'm so excited because you are speaking my language. And, you know, what I went through is the fact that losing my parents to cancer awoken me to the fact that a healing miracle was possible outside of just the Western medicine model, not to diss on Western medicine, but just to say that there are other options for healing. And there, if we don't take into account the mind, body and spirit, then we're all going to lose. And so when I hear you say all this, it's just like I said in the beginning, like you are the person that was missing in our lives and our treatment plan that may have very well been able to help save their lives. And so I'm just so glad you're doing this. I think the healing before you're cured is, I wish that was the name of this podcast, because that's Mm -hmm. what I believe. And food heals started because I discovered 
the healing power of nutrition mm. before I discovered, yeah, you got to work on your spiritual self. <laughs> you got to work on your emotions. So I went down the path of discovering food, adopting a plant-based diet because I realized it was the most anti-cancer diet. And the more vegetables and fruits I could have on my plate, the more phytonutrients and nutrition I was going to have. And I was like, on a mission to spread that with the world, and I still am, mm. but there was a missing piece. Yeah. And that was the fact that I hadn't dealt with my trauma. Yeah. So I pushed it down and I drank the smoothies, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I felt awesome, but I never felt 100% until I started doing the spiritual and emotional work. Wow. Yeah. So I would love to delve more into that. You know, Food Heals Nation, they know we got to get our veggies, we got to eat well. We're all on that path. Let's delve into the emotional and spiritual things that we can do as well because it's just like you said it's like should i choose like okay i was at whole foods i can't even make this up okay and the woman is like yelling at her husband or her boyfriend about some garlic bread like some frozen garlic bread at the store does it spark joy does it spark joy (laughs) it's Marie Kondo. Marie Kondo, exactly and then he was like well it's gluten-free you know these are the problems of the people who have already figured out the food, like, yes. and they're just trying to next level their life. Yes. But the fact that they were arguing kind of tells me there's some emotional stuff <laughs> they probably hadn't dealt with. So, and I've been that person, so I'm sure. not judging them. I thought it was hilarious. It's just funny to see it exactly. right in front of you, right? That's exactly it. It's like I have a patient that his son came to me and he was like, you know, my dad is he's got prostate cancer and it's not going away. It's getting worse and worse. Can you talk to him? I was like, sure. So I interviewed him. It took me five minutes. I was like, listen, you did all the Western treatment. He's like, yeah, I'm on hormones. I did the radiation, still growing. And he's like, but listen, I've been meditating. I meditate an hour a day. I have my own organic garden outside. I only eat from there. I only eat raw. I'm very positive. I'm always doing affirmations. And I go, okay, well, um, can I ask you, how's your relationship with, and he's 65 years old, 70 years old. I was like, how's your relationship with your parents? He goes, oh, it's great. I stopped talking to my mom when I was five. And my dad, he left uh, He left me and my mom. And so I grew up with my grandparents. So I, it's great. Oh, my god! And his wife was sitting there and she burst into tears. And she was Aww. like, that's a lie. You have the same relationship with your sons that you had with your father, meaning you don't talk to them. Mm. And then he literally started crying right at that point. Wow. And he was like, you're right. You're right. And she's like, I have not been able to say this because I, when I'm alone, he shuts me down. But since you're here, he's letting me talk. And so I said to him, I listen, do you want to look at this? Because this is really, really important. You know, you're doing all those other things, but there's this one house, the emotional house that you haven't even, you haven't touched. Right. You said it happened when you were five? He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay, you're 70. That's 65 years of trauma that you haven't dealt with. You know, are you willing to do that work? And, and in front of me, he was like, yes, absolutely. I am willing to do this work. I'm like, okay, great. I have a resource for you. I think you need to, you know, there's evidence showing 52 weeks of therapy is super durable. And it's easy. You just go once a week, just sit there and tell them how you feel. It's really easy. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then he's like, he's like, oh, okay, okay, okay. And I'm like, or, or you could do a journal. You could just write down your thoughts, you know. Or you could just yell. You could do something, you know. <laughs> Throw then, a pillow. And he's like, oh, he's, he wrote it down. He's like, I'll do all three. I was like, oh, great. Wow, okay. Yeah. So his son emailed me like a month later and he was like, my dad didn't do any of the things. Mm-hmm. He wanted to let you know, though, he started a new row in his garden. He's adding more vegetables and he wanted to let you know that. Mm-hmm. And what's crazy at the end of the story is that he ended up leaving his wife. Wow. After that, he just couldn't even deal with anything. And we don't know what happened to him after that. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty insane. That's intense. But it shows you like, you know, it's kind of a sad, sad story, but it shows you like two things. One is that when you deny something, there's a momentum. Okay. There's a momentum to that energy of the pattern of the way that you've been approaching a, a thing. And it's very, very hard to change that thing. The other thing is though, it's not like as if we delved into this, it may have cured his cancer, but I guarantee you it would have made him healthier. It would have made him more open. It would have right. made him, it would have had him along that way, yeah. you know? One of the first people that was the most inspiring to me when I moved to LA, it was right after my mother had passed away and my dad had not passed away yet. But this was my period of awakening. So Mm. I was slowly starting to understand the other components that came to health and healing. And I just so happened, you know, I think I was divinely guided to meet all these people. But I started meeting all of these people who had healed chronic debilitating diseases, including cancer. And one of them, and she's been on the show, so I'm allowed to share her story, Avita Ram. 
Rampart, I was hired to take her pregnancy photos. So we're driving out to Malibu to take these gorgeous photos by the beach. And she's like, we're getting deep because it's a long drive. You know how long that drive is from here. It's like at least an hour. Yeah, um, and more. she, we get into conversation and she tells me her story. And she's like, well, did you know that this baby is a miracle because I had ovarian cancer and the doctors wanted to do a surgery that may or may not have left me barren. And now this is just a miracle that I'm here. And I was like, oh, wonderful. Like, what did you do? Well, she did juice cleansing and then eating only raw fruits and vegetables for a period of time mm. um, against her doctor's wishes, <laughs> by the way, and slowly was getting rid of the cancer and shrinking the tumors that were all over her ovaries. And the emotional component was that she had to divorce her husband because she was in a very highly toxic relationship. So you could say it was the cleanse. You could say it was the divorce. I would say it's probably a combination. Yeah. Yeah. But she found freedom where she was so suppressed in her love and her sexuality. So no wonder it goes to somewhere like the ovaries, which is a place where, you know, it's our womanhood. It's how we have babies, right? So when we're being suppressed in a toxic relationship, sometimes that can affect us so much. And she was eating junk food too. Don't get me wrong. She was on a (laughs) diet. She always says she was eating, you know, Coke, pizza, any snicker you know whatever sugar she could get her hands on but that combination is highly toxic yeah the thing is people don't get is that the way you think affects not only your gene structure which it absolutely does but if you're suppressing that kind of stuff it doesn't leave your body You know what I mean? So if you're building up this, and this is one thing I talk about in my book a lot about the role of resentment and how it affects your body and how it affects. So one of the reasons why it took me so long to write this book was I was looking for evidence though, to show that this is true. Like, is it true that if you have trauma in your life, is it going to cause cancer later on? It seems like it would, right? Because if you think about like, if I asked you, what is resentment? What would you say resentment is? Anger that I'm holding on to that hurts not the other person, but hurts me. Mm, great. Def- you've thought about this before. No, I just took a minute. I was like, let me go deep right now. No, what do I really think it yeah. is? And I, I know for me, it's something I don't want to hold on to. And I know people that hold on to it. And I have played the victim. I have held things against other people, but it wasn't serving to hurt them. It was only serving to hurt me. Right. And th- this is the thing. So exactly. It's anger that you hold in yourself that hurts yourself. But even more, it's a specific type of anger. First of all, it's a thought and maybe subconscious, but this shouldn't have happened to me. Yeah. This shouldn't have happened to me. This thing that happened shouldn't have happened. So you take what should be in the past, what normally would flow, saying, oh, you know, somebody hit me. Okay, Uh, that hurt and I move on. It's like, this shouldn't have happened to me. Mm -hmm. And so you never let that energy out of you. So not only does that, then you start to build this pattern of this energy stuck in you. And every new event that resembles that event starts to pile on top of it. Mm-hmm. So that, that it builds and builds and builds. And then it becomes something deeper than anger. It becomes rage. Yeah. Okay? And that rage inside is very, very angry. But if you think about what rage is, rage is an anger that breaks walls, that destroys things. It doesn't care what's around. Mm-hmm. It just wants to destroy, right? And if you've been rageful... I know you've never had rage, right? Ellie? I don't know what you mean. Yeah, okay, okay. Never. <laughs> so, so you've never thrown anything, right? Never. I've never slammed a door. No, never Dr. slammed a door. Dr. V, please. Okay, okay. I am perfection. <laughs> so, yes, I've it, done all the things. <laughs> you've, you've had that rage, but you think what cancer is. Cancer is a cell that doesn't care what's around it. It destroys everything in its path, and it destroys the thing that it lives in. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what rage is. And if you think, and I, I was like, well, this makes sense. Wow. What I did was when I went to patients, I was like, once I realized, I go, you know, I got to figure out this is true and I can't find the evidence for this. So I started asking people three questions. And one was, how's your relationship with your parents? Mm-hmm. How's your current relationships? And did you ever have any abuse? Yeah. Those are my first three questions. And this is if they're open. I don't open with this stuff. <laughs> I don't start like, hi, my name is Dr. V. No, this is like once the, once we've already gotten into it and they're like, I want to know why this happened. I'm like, if do they're you, willing. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. do you really want to know? They're like, what does that mean? Like, do you really want to know? Because if you really want to know, we can, I can ask you some questions. Mm-hmm. But that's something I was going to make a segue to my book because I figured there's 10 questions 
that can really help you to identify if you have this kind of trauma. Because if you're listening and you're like, wait a minute, I don't know if I have this or not. Because a lot of times it's suppressed, right? Yeah. Yep. And you're like, oh, I'm fine. You know, I talk to my mom now. You're fine. But then you're yelling at that guy in traffic who cut you off yeah. because you're secretly suppressing some rage from childhood right. that you don't feel like dealing with. Right. Or and you th- think you've dealt with. Exactly. Yeah. And th- that thing, I call that thing, you know, like if you have an event that happens in your current life, this is one of the things. If you have an event in your current life where, say, if someone cuts you off, you're like, oh, that guy's an ass, you know. But like me one time, I hadn't dealt with my stuff yet. I was driving. This guy cut me off. I went in front of him. I cut him off. I got out of the car. Yeah, yeah. I go, you're going to cut me off? You know? And he got out of his car. I go, uh-oh. Now what's happening? Oh, shit. So I got back in my car. He, he might have over. a gun or something. Right. And then then my dad was on the phone with me, actually. And he goes, he goes, Roy, what are you doing? Wow. And I was like, uh, I got out of the car. He's like, where were you doing? What were you doing? And I was like, well, this guy cut me off. He's like, do you know him? I'm like, no. He's like, so why are you so mad? He just cuts you off. It happens a hundred times a day. You live in LA. Yeah, right. He's like, just move out of LA. You know, that's where my dad's <laughs> mind is. But, and then I, I go, you know what that's called? Is when you have an inappropriate emotional reaction to something that's really small, I call that mushrooming. Like a mushroom cloud, like in a nuclear explosion. When you have that kind of anger, that kind of rage, that kind of like, this shouldn't have happened to me in a moment, that is a red flag for you. You need to go back and you need to take a look at it and say, what is this thing? Now, I'm not into just, necessarily talking about it. I'm, I give exercises that one of them I'll even share right here. I call burn pages. Oh my God. You might be psychic. I already do this. Oh, I know you what you're going to say. Do tell it. me. Tell me. You tell so, me. Okay. You tell me. Write and burn. Write it and then burn it. Yeah. This is what I do. What? Did you go to USM? No. Okay. What is that? <laughs> University of Santa Monica. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, um, no, it's no. like the school of learning to love yourself. Yeah. And that's one of the practices that we do. Where no we way. write and burn. Yeah. Okay. Go on. Okay, this is yeah. my favorite thing to do. Okay. I mean, it's look, it's not fun, but you right. feel great afterwards because you let all the shit out. Okay, and this is, go and ahead. This, this is it. Yeah. And this is, this is totally exactly it. But okay. what I tell people to do is like, listen, I know you don't want to do therapy because it costs money yeah. and it might not be covered by insurance, but I'll tell you what, you have 30 minutes. Do you have a room? Can you shut your phone off? Mm-hmm. Can you take out a piece of paper? And you have to put a timer. You have to write yes. for 30 minutes. Yes. No matter what comes out, you can write, this is stupid. Dr. V told me to do this. I think this is dumb. <laughs> I'm wasting my time. Yeah. My hand is hurting me. Yeah. Whatever you want to write. But eventually, you start to write some crazy shit yeah. that comes out of you. And it's literally shit because it's like this stuff that you didn't know. And I started to tell people to do an hour. But I noticed after I told like 20 people, they came back. I did like 20 minutes. You know, I did 25 minutes. Yeah. I did th- an hour is a long time to sit in a room by yourself and do it. But if you do that, you'll start to see what's actually under there. Yeah. So that's an absolute easy it's free and then you take the pages and then you either you're supposed to burn them but a lot like some people in the city i don't want to get like a, a lawyer's notice that you burnt yeah. down your place so you can just shred it or you yeah. can tear it up the point is write it you're not there to read it you're there to express it to get it flowing to get it out of you so that you get it out of your system and you start to create an energy and momentum to get it out of are, your body. Are we the same person? Okay. This I think is, we look the same. I too. tell everyone to do this because <laughs> this has been transformational for me personally. And, you know, I'm at the point where I don't need 30 minutes. I got 10 and it comes out and I'm like, oh my gosh, sometimes you'll find something that you didn't even realize you were holding on to or something that you thought you let go. And it's creeping back up. So then I go, all right, now I know I need to do more work on this. I've done it at my house plenty of times. If I do it in a hotel room, I just don't burn it because like in a hotel room or something, (laughs) I travel a lot. So um, if I'm really upset, like about, you know, I've traveled so far, I'm jet lagged, I'm upset. I'm just like, oh my gosh, I cannot get into the flow of this new country. And now I have to go see all of these people or maybe I have to speak at an event. And so I just write, write, write to make sure that I get any negativity Mm. out of me. Like, oh, that stewardess was rude to me or what? ever the f i'm upset about right. write it down stuff comes up and if you're in a hotel room you just rip it up you can flush it it's yeah. like tiny pieces because what happens is if you burn it or flush it you it gets the energy out of your body and then you experience peace and i know that you're a big meditator yeah and i'm a medium meditator i would <laughs> say not huge but when i do that it is a meditation because at the end i can literally lay there and go i have no worries i have no anxiety i have no depression i have no and it's temporary because it always things creep back. We're all humans. We all have cell phones. We all have people that need to get in touch with us. We all have stress that comes up. We all drive cars. But in that moment, I experience the most divine peace mm. after the right and burn. I almost crave it like exercise. Like, you know, after a really good workout, you're like, 
I feel a really good orgasm, right? Yeah. Orgasms, exercising, and writing and burn, you get that feeling of ultimate joy and peace. And it might be temporary, but it's worth every minute. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. That's I can see why people like to listen to you, by the way. Uh, but <laughs> it, uh, it's... Uh, I hope that's a compliment. Yeah, it, it's a compliment. Um, <laughs> the, the thing is, is like most people, though, the thing is distraction. They're usually just trying to, I feel horrible, let me get a drink. I feel horrible. Mm-hmm. Let me watch TV. Let, Let me, me go on social media. Let me go to Netflix, watch 12 shows in a row. Yes. And, you know, and then the instinct is good, though, to get away from the pain. It's a great instinct. But the way you do it is really awesome. Because I still it, watch Netflix. PS. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. It's just why did you watch yeah, it? Yeah. Did you watch it because you want to watch a new episode of Game of Thrones coming out in April, you know? Or did you do it because somebody blasted you, you feel horrible about it, and you just want to get away from that moment, yeah. you know? That's the key is the why. So if you can take that time and you can really just go, okay, I'm just going to get this out of me. There's another uh, exercise I do is called How Do I Feel? Another thing I talk about in the book, but it's basically you stand there, you inhale, you exhale, and then you ask yourself out loud, how do I feel? And then you start the next sentence by saying, I feel nervous. And then you ask again, how do I feel? And you say, you know what? I'm holding my fingers together. My palms are sweating. And you ask, how do I feel? You say, you know what? I'm pissed because that guy, he shouldn't have done that to me. And it's just like, you don't go in explanation, but you just, okay, how do I feel? You know what? I feel sad because like I should have stood up for myself. Yeah. And then you ask again, how do I feel? And it's another way if you're not a writer and you just want to experience stuff, this is a really easy way. You could do it in your car. Yeah. If you come out of a bad meeting, you come out of a bad date, you went on speed dating and you met like 50 guys and none of them fit you, you know, whatever, you get in the car, you're like, I'm never going to meet anybody. Then you just go to this, how do I feel? You know, I feel sad. You just go into it and you name it. And when you name it, it becomes present. And if it becomes present, it flows out. You don't have to do anything with it. Yeah. Like after you do your burn pages, it's not. you just said it. You feel free, yeah. right? The problem is when you disconnect and you compartmentalize your experience by making it only one thing, like, oh, it's done. You know, if you compartmentalize it and you separate your emotion from your mental, in this case, what you're talking about is connecting emotional and physical, right? Physical and mental, emotional into one thing. Most people will just, oh, I had this bad experience. I don't want to feel the emotion. Or I'm not going to think about that. You actually are telling yourself, your body's like, okay, I listen to you. This is what we're going to do. We're not going to, okay. And then also anything that's like this. Okay, so we're going to do this with everything. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then you're walking around and you know these people at work, they're nitpicking on stuff. If you work for somebody and you're listening, you're like, it's that boss that's, they're not happy. Mm-hmm. And they're coming around like, you know what, page three, it's not as good as page one and two and five. And then I'm like, why are you nitpicking on me? I'm like, well, it's because they're trying to focus, trying to control something in the present environment when in fact they, should, they need to let go and go into this emotional, a mental, and a spiritual space. I could not agree more. All right, Food Heals Nation, I hope you're enjoying part one of our interview with the incredible Dr. V. I honestly can't believe he has done more than 7,000 hours of meditation. I mean, how cool is that? It has gotten me thinking. I don't meditate as much as I should, and I want to change that. But first, I had to figure out why I don't. I honestly think it's because of my crazy schedule, and taking the time to slow down and meditate would be really beneficial to me because I used to do it a lot more. But something I've been using to help me slow down and really is a great pre-meditation drink is Organifi Gold. The gold blend, not only is it delicious, but it contains organic lemon balm, which is known as the calming herb, and it works so well. It has divine cinnamon, which is calming and comforting and just gives it a great taste. And something a lot of people don't know is that you need the piperine in black pepper to help you absorb the curcumin in turmeric. And Organifi Gold actually has both. This combo does wonders for fighting inflammation, so I usually mix a scoop with hot water or plant-based milk. I like my oat milk. Drink it half an hour before I know I want to relax my mind and meditate or take a nap or go to bed. 
slowing down and taking this time has definitely helped me be more productive, which is something I know that we all want more of. And Organifi has a special offer for Food Heals Nation listeners. Go to Organifi.com, use the coupon code FOODHEALS and get 20% off your first order. I know you're going to love Organifi Gold as much as I do Food Heals Nation. It's truly delicious, calming, and really great to do right when you're ready to relax at the end of a hard day, right before you want to meditate or before bed. Try it. Let me know how you like it. All right, now back to our interview with Roy. You are listening to the Food Heals Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. I want to go back to something that you were talking about earlier, what you said about sometimes you were giving a presentation and then someone's like, well, what is this? Where is this coming from? (laughs) This is just religion or something like Mm -hmm. that. The study that I always go to to tell people why trauma matters Mm -hmm. is about the ACE score. Of course, ACEs. Okay. Please, because I can't speak as intelligently as probably you can to this, but I'm obsessed with this because I feel like it proves, (laughs) it's proof that this is not just spiritual la-la land BS. So can you talk about that? Yes. So what you're talking about is ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experience Study. So they originally came from Kaiser and about 15,000 patients. And basically they have 10 questions they ask. And in those 10 questions, if you have one out of 10 that's positive, it puts you at risk for having all sorts of stuff. And the one that really was important to me was the cancer link. It doubles your risk of cancer, literally, to have one of these things. One out of? One out of 10. 10. But they're not simple things. They're not like, has someone stepped on your foot? It's like, you know, (laughs) it's like, were you abused as a child? Did you have a traumatic divorce situation? Did you have sexual abuse? You know, these are serious questions. Sure. But they're markers for these things. And um, actually, in the book, we actually, before I knew about the ACEs study, I wrote those 10 questions. Oh, my God. So people are like, are you plagiarizing the book? But you'll see that they're a little different because they're what I found from asking my own patients. That just proves that this is all real because you came to it over here. Yes. You, you came to these conclusions yeah. on your own. Yeah. And they came to these conclusions over here. And then right. all of the spiritual people are coming to these conclusions. So yeah. it, it it's is all connected. Truth. It's, it's all the all same truth. thing. It's all yeah. the same thing. This is the thing. So like if you're listening and you take these questions, you can either go online, you can go to ACEs or you can go to my, I have them on my website. If you go to mdroy.com, you can actually get that list from there Perfect. or if you want to write it's in the book in the emotional section it's so important because if you fit in this criteria and you have one of these things and you think that you've dealt with it the trap also is is this is like i have a friend her dad abused her okay verbally like for a long time i have another friend her, her dad used to slam the door on her hand when she would make a mistake oh my god been in the er three times and then they both said to me my relationship with my dad is great now. We go out to dinner and, you know, and they're like that. And I'm like, did you ever talk to him about, have you ever gone to see a therapist about this? Yeah. They're like, no, I, I healed it. I'm like, how did you heal it? What did you do? The truth is, is that they're not because they haven't been able to have a relationship with a man too. Oh, uh, so they can still go out to dinner with the father, but they're not they're, able to have a relationship They're on man on number eight. Own. They're on man number eight with the same scenario mm, and they've gone, yeah. you know, it's a two-year mark, right? Yeah. You hit two years, boom, next guy, Wow. next guy, next guy. And they're repeating the same patterns over and over. Of course, because you're getting to a point where there's real intimacy showing up. And when there's real intimacy showing up, you have to feel. But you can't feel love if there's dirt on top of it. If there's anger, it's sitting in the same space. It's in your heart. So if you open that box, what's going to come out is rage. And so you have to shut that door. Mm. When you shut that door, that guy's got to go. Yeah. <laughs> you need to start a new guy so you can go to a place where you're not feeling those things. Like, uh, you know, she just doesn't like the same food I like. You know, whatever your reason is or uh-huh, whatever, uh-huh. you know, it's it's not real. So if you're listening and you're like, I think everything's great with my... I'm like, are they though? Mm-hmm. If you're in a 25-year marriage, you have two kids and you guys fight once every few months, that is great. But if you're on a string of, you know, this is guy number seven and you're, you know, it's not working and you can't meet somebody that's for real, you know what I mean? There's a lot, you know, there's 50-50. There's 50% men, 50% women in this, in this, in this, in this country, you know. So yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, there, you can, and there's not multiple wives. So there's lots of guys around, okay? So the question is, are you going to blame it on the fact that there's no guys in L.A. Mm-hmm. or wherever you live? Or is Playing it you? Playing the victim again. Or yeah. is it you? Yeah. You know, is it you? And then I'm not going to answer that. You got to answer that. You got to sit and say something else I talk about is like ownership. Mm. You have to be ready to own this. It doesn't matter who did it to you. Do you own it now? 
Do you own it now? Do you own your part of it? Do you own your part of it? It doesn't mean you you deserve to be no. abused or whatever it may be. It's not guilt. It's right. not shame. It's not yeah. blame. It's owning, okay, this is where I am. What am I going to do about it? Okay, let's talk about what is your opinion on how they say that we marry our partners. Women often marry their fathers or men often marry people like their mothers because of the unresolved Mm. issues from childhood that they didn't resolve with their parents. And even like you said, they might have a great relationship now and be going out to dinner. But the truth is they didn't resolve it. So they're still acting out their parents' relationship with their spouse unaware, half the time, completely unaware. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. I mean, you just said it all, actually. But the, <laughs> the, the thing is, is like, you know, we do. We attract what we need to learn. Yeah. Absolutely. So the, the thing is, though, is that I think most people in relationships are like, oh, she's just like my mom or she's just like my, he's just like my dad. And I need to find somebody who's not like that. Like, no, you don't. Because if that person's willing to do the work with you, if they're willing to do their side of the work, because guess what? They're not whole either if they're with you and you have that in you. Mm-hmm. So if both of you are willing to do that work, it can be a really positive situation. I mean, it requires effort and it requires honesty and integrity, but then you can actually do that work in that relationship. You don't need to kick the guy to the curb unless that person's not willing to do the work. If they're not ready to own their side of the coin, their side of the equation, then that's a different story. You know, I've seen a lot of relationships that where, you know, I see them and I'm like, oh, they're taking it as an opportunity. They're both owning their side. It doesn't mean it's going to be clean. It's going to be messy as heck. But I do think that we are presented, you know, whether you believe in God or the universe, whatever word you want to use is that you have a finite time on this earth, right? Nobody gets off alive. That's what I say. (laughs) Nobody gets out of it alive. So what are you doing here? You know what I mean? Guess what? The people who are in your life right now are there for a reason. They're there to teach you something. There's a proverb in Chinese. They say every third person is your teacher. Ooh, I like that. Which means that if you're meeting all a bunch of people and you're not learning anything, that (laughs) that something's going on. It's on you. Yeah. So if you look in your life and this person is with you and they're causing so many problems, I have to look at yourself and say, you know what, what am I doing here? What am I owning? What do I need to own in this situation? And how can I use it toward my healing? And then like you, I, it was like a gateway drug almost. Like you got into nutrition and it opened up this door yeah. to all this other stuff. Yeah. One of the things that I, I, I like to say, because people get really overwhelmed. They're like, oh, what am I supposed to start on? You know, It's really important to pick one thing. Start. Like if you're not eating salads and you're listening to this podcast, you need to start eating salads. But if you're probably <laughs> listening to this podcast, you're beyond that point. You know what I mean? So pick one thing. There's a phrase in, in Japanese called kaizen. It means continuous daily improvement. Didn't say how big it is. Oh, I like that. Yeah, kaizen. So you can kaizen everything. Kaizen. So like, for example, if you're like, okay, it isn't an emotional, I'm like, Ali, you know, I need to, I need to do work on the emotional side of my life, but I don't have money for therapy. If you have money for therapy, do therapy. The data is super strong on therapy, right? Mm-hmm. There's two types. There's cognitive behavioral and there's emotional based, like psychodynamic. There's two different branches. It's somebody you resonate with that you can tell about how you feel. Number one, I didn't do that. Number two, if you want to start, do something simple. You can do the burn pages, you know? Yep. Pick one thing, though. Don't do them all. Add one thing. If you want to just even journal, you know, five minutes, you know? Getting a foothold into change, okay? So this goes another part of another book that I haven't written yet, but it's... it's I uh, can't wait. Okay. Yeah, Laws of Motion. You know, there's equal and opposite. Number one, there's every action is an equal and opposite reaction. Okay. You heard that, right? Yes. And there's also the law of momentum. Otherwise, an object in motion stays in motion. Yes. Or an object at rest stays at rest. Okay. The third law is, is a force equation. Force equals mass times acceleration. But the first two are the ones that are the easiest to understand, and they apply right here. Because if you are kaizening your life and you're trying to like get get going on this thing, your inertia stopped in this area. So it's very hard to start. Because the ball hasn't started rolling. So what you want to do is just take small steps. Get that momentum going. Start to put momentum into your life in this new way. And as it goes, the ball will start to roll, start to roll, start to roll. And and it's like rolling. It'll start to roll downhill. And you build this momentum. And then you bring in the first law. Because you've told the universe, equal and opposite. I'm doing something for myself. I am going to improve this thing. It is a law. It is not a theory. It is not foo-foo. It is a law, equal and opposite. Is it like gravity? Like you can't defy it. You can't defy it. You <laughs> okay. can. You can, But yeah, try to defy it. You jump up. You're going to hit the back. You know, gravity's yeah. going to work. But equal and opposite. You put something out there. The universe has got to give it back to you. 
it's got to give the same energy back to you. This is like the science behind manifestation. I it love is. It. And that's okay. why I don't, you know, everybody's talking about the secret. But yeah, the difference between what I'm talking about and the secret is the secret is like you put a wish out there and it shows up. No, this is you have to do right. your part. Yeah. You have to take this little action, build this momentum. As you build the momentum, the energy comes back to you. You see other things happening in your life. So then it's like, it, it's a health thing, but it's actually using laws. They can't be violated. You can try. You're not going to win. <laughs> it's the missing part of the secret. It's like what the secret got wrong. You can't just wish for the car and right. the car appears. You do need to visualize what you want. Okay. That's important too. Yeah. That's what the secret's talking about, visualization. But you have to put the effort in. I remember in the video, it was a while ago, but they were like, I visualized this mansion overlooking the ocean. I don't know if you remember the video. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's exactly what I imagined. I'm like, did you tell them the 100 hours a week you put in to build your real estate business? And then, mm-hmm. you know, did right. you, talk, you didn't talk about that, did right. you? <laughs> it doesn't fit the video, right? Okay. Just so, just, just so we're clear. I want to let you know. Yes. Right. So you are so full of knowledge and you are so wise. You came from a family of two doctors, mother and father, correct? Mm-hmm. And you are Western medicine trained and you are an oncologist. How in the world did you find mind-body-spirit healing? Uh, well, that's a good question. It's a kind of funny story. So um, I went to in Buffalo, as I said earlier, and I was really the only like Asian family in my town, literally. Oh, really? But um, my parents were like, you need to go to the best school. And it was a Catholic school. Okay. And my family's Buddhist. Buddhism is like about, you know, it's about reincarnation. It's about karma. And Catholicism is like about, you know, going to heaven and hell and there's no rebirth. There's no karma. There's just like you repent, you know, so it's completely different worlds. But me, I'm very inquisitive and I've always been like that. I was asked, why, 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 why? So one day I petitioned the Jesuit priests that ran my Catholic school. I said, I want to have a meeting. And they said, okay. So I went for this meeting and actually, because I was 16, I had a secret agenda, which is to get out of religion class every day. But I, <laughs> I went to this meeting and they're like, what do you want the meeting about? I'm like, well, I've been going to religion class. I have a lot of questions and I'm not getting any answers. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like, well, for example, I ask a question and the answer will always be, it's a mystery, right? And I'm like, okay. They're like, well, what's your question? And I was like, well, I want to know in the Bible, Jesus leaves when he's 13 and he comes back when he's 30 and he's like the son of God. He's, he's realized being, he's a God, you know? Why, where did he go? And they're like, well, that's a mystery. I'm like, ah, see, that's what I'm talking about. It's not a mystery. You just don't know. You don't know. It's, and they, like, they laugh. They're like, okay, thank you for coming in. <laughs> Some of my friends are waiting outside. They're like, did you get out? They're like, I'm like, no, I didn't get out of class. <sighs> Two days later, the same priest pulls me out of class. He's like, you know, we talked about it. We want to meet with you again. So they pulled me into the room. They're like, I thought about what you said. And Jesuits would get in trouble for this a lot, but we like to encourage independent thought. So we're going to give you the rest of the year off from religion class. Every day, you'll be out for an hour independent study in the library. Oh my God. And I was like, what? <laughs> and they were like, but you have to write a report every two weeks and your report is independent study. And your first report is, you have to tell us where Jesus went. Oh my God, this is amazing. And I was like, oh crap. Okay. So <laughs> You're like, like, oh man. <laughs> yeah. So I, my friend's like, oh my God. My friend's Jewish. She's like, I can't get out. You petitioned. Like, no, we know why yeah. you're coming in now. You don't have a legitimate. So I went and I looked and looked and I was like, I went to the library. I couldn't find the reason. Finally, I went to this bookstore called Walden Books. It was from the East Coast. I don't know if you... I know Walden. Okay. I used to love Walden. It was in all the malls. <laughs> yes. Walden Books, the mall next to the arcade. So, yes. so I went to Walden Books and there's a book called Jesus in India. And I read this book in the store. I didn't buy it because I was 16. I just read it in the store. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, this is where he was. And I read this book. I wrote this report. I brought it into the priest. And he's like, okay, where's your report? I go, boom, here it is. Jesus is in India. And he goes, ah, this is hilarious. He's like, okay, so your next report is now on Buddhism. About, and I was like, wait, wait, wait. I just told you guys something. I, I, I researched this. I, I was showing you. Yeah. He's, like, he's like, oh yeah, no, no, thank you. And I was like, What? I spent like hours writing this report. Like, you're not even going to look at it? And then I got really mad. And I was like, I learned something in that moment, though. I was like, you know what? The world isn't going to appreciate what you have, but it's important for you to look. Because then I knew what I needed to know. I knew what I wanted to learn. So from that point forward, I always ask why. And then when I don't find the answer that suits what makes me feel like it's the truth, I keep going. Mm -hmm. And so when I went to medical school in the same way, I went to do training at UCLA. Oh, I wanted to come to UCLA. I was in Buffalo. I went to medical school in Buffalo. I came to interview at UCLA. 
And well, there's a side note. I wanted to be an actor because I thought being famous would make me happy. No one in LA wants to do no, that. No, what no, do you no, it's horrible. So um, <laughs> I came to the interview and the, the chairman was like, listen, I know you have an interview at MD Anderson's, a really big cancer institute. Why would you want to come to UCLA? I was like, well, do you really want to know the answer? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, well, I want to be famous. I want to be an actor. Mm-hmm. I want to explore stuff. And I think I could do that in LA. And he goes, well, that's great. I wanted to be an actor. My parents <laughs> wouldn't let me and they made me become a doctor. He's like, uh, if you come here, I'll protect your time. You can do all your training here and you can explore and do research and do all the stuff you want as long as you complete your stuff. Wow. So every point along the way, I've always been supported about independent study and about like looking at stuff. So that's how I came to this stuff about the emotional life though, because I, I am an actor and I have been acting since 2001 for 2000 for a long time. Mm-hmm. But I found that my reason for acting was different from everybody else's. I couldn't feel certain emotions. I couldn't get to anger. I could only feel sadness. Hmm. And so I would always be picking these scenes. And when I should be angry, I was crying. And the coach would be like, what, what's happening? You're not sad here. You're mad. And so I started to try to figure this out. And I started looking at all the, the research. And my one coach goes, you know, you don't need an acting class. You need therapy. This is fascinating. Yeah. So I went to therapy. And then I, and he's like, He's like, so why are you coming to therapy? I'm like, well, I want to be an actor. I can't feel anger. I need to do therapy. He goes, well, that's a weird reason because usually people want to become happier. I was like, well, yeah, but I don't. I want to, you know, I want to, I want to feel. I want to feel all the feelings I so I can put them on the screen. Right. So, and then I would go in and be a doctor for cancer. And then I would be sitting there and I'd be like, this person's very angry and they don't know it. So you're very intuitive. Yeah. But I, but I could feel it finally. And then, then they're also like, well, you're really listening. What medical school did you go to? I'm like, oh, I didn't learn that in medical school. Yeah, I you're, you're empathic. Well, I learned it acting too because you have to listen. You okay. have to feel what's going on. Yeah, and, yeah. And you, yeah, and I also have that spiritual side too. So with all the meditation I do, I pick things up, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, all these pieces started coming together when I wanted to talk to patients that, that wanted to know more and wanted to know why they have what they have or what they can do. Usually it's like, come back and get a CAT scan. You know, mm. we'll check your blood. Yeah. Six months. We'll see you later. Good luck. Go play tennis, you know. And so I was like, oh, there's so much more you can do. And then my patients were like, why don't you write a book? Why don't you do something else? Because you have this MD, but you also have this other stuff. So I started to really give them away. And this is what this book's about. I call it The Four Houses of Health. So it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. It's all evidence-based stuff. If you're a patient and you look at that and you start to see like, okay, is this stuff real? Yeah. Because I have over 100 citations for everything in this book, meaning like I've cited every single thing that I say that works. It's not because I say it. It's because someone studied it, yeah. spent a million dollars. This this ACES study that you're talking about before, multi-million dollar right. study, yeah. longitudinal, 20 years, 15,000 patients. It's multi, that's like $25 million study. And they did it. And now there's so much research coming out about this link between cancer, about trauma and disease. You know? I mean, I think it's fascinating and I think it's interesting how people are coming to these conclusions from all different walks of life, all different parts of the world, and the conclusions are all the same. But for us to accept it as a society, as, you know, media doesn't accept this. Like, these are things we talk about on podcasts and on YouTube <laughs> channels, but like, this is not widespread in the media. In fact, we're often um, made fun of. Yeah. And comedians are talking about us and, right. you know, all of that stuff. And like, I laugh too. It's funny, but it's also like, well, don't discount it because no. there's so much truth to it. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, there is a kind of a, a woo-woo factor here, but <laughs> it's not woo-woo when Kaiser Permanente right. studied it yes. and 15,000 patients. That's not woo-woo. And now there's, I think there's like 75 studies coming out of this original study now with different populations looking at what trauma does and how it affects your life. And so it's not the mainstream, not in America, but it's definitely abroad. It's becoming a big deal and yeah, there's certain doctors, like I work at UCLA, certain doctors are like, what are you talking about? What's mm. your book about? Like, I'm so glad you are there. <laughs> it's funny because then it's like, yeah, you know, and part of me is always, you know, I talk about this a little bit with other people and this other doctors. I'm like, yeah, I'm a little afraid because then it's like, like that guy stood up. It was great that he stood up and said, you know, this is a religion talk. I'm like, oh. That he, was his perspective. That's yeah. where he was coming from. But he, he was probably also, he wasn't the only person in the room thinking that. Right. So you have to know where people are coming from so you can speak to them. Yeah. And I was, yeah. Like, I was like, that's fine. You know, maybe I shouldn't have told him to sit down. But, you know. <laughs> I, uh, sit down? I was like, Let me the lady who was running the, the event when I was speaking, she goes, you know, he didn't leave though. He didn't leave. He sat down. Yeah. You know, he didn't leave. So something in him 
wanted to hear what it was. So you know? powerful. And and sometimes when you deny something, it's probably because it's true for you. Oh my god! You know what I mean? Tweet that Food Hills Nation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so so it's really when I see someone blast me, I'm like, oh, it only blasts me because it's true. Otherwise, it, you wouldn't blast me. You just let it, like if I said to you. Ellie, you don't have, you know, your podcast. Nobody listens to your podcast. You go, no, that's not true. That is not true. No, you'd be like, okay, check my numbers. I know. Check my numbers, bitch. But if, if, but if I did say, <laughs> check my numbers, bitch. Yeah. If I did say, no, that's not true, it would be because it was reflecting back to my biggest fear. And so all of our reactions are a reflection of what we're feeling inside of ourselves. Yes. And so I know for me, like, look, I'm a normal human being. I still have judgments. I still have worries. I still have reactions. But what I try to do is go, what is this reflecting inside of me that I need to heal? And mm. sometimes I'm so annoyed because I'm like, God. But the truth is, is that everything that we're feeling inside is a reflection of something unresolved. And so especially when we're judging someone else, especially when we are coming at something with anger or fear or misunderstanding, and there's like this disconnect, but we're upset about it, it's stimulating something. There's a reason for that. And it's often something unresolved within ourselves. And once we resolve that, then we can come into an understanding of where that person is coming from. And so I'm constantly, you know, I, I like to think of myself as like this open, welcoming person. But at the same time, like I have my judgments, I have my reservations. And so when those come up and I'm faced with them, I have to step back and go, why is this happening? Because if I continue to hold this against someone or I continue to see this in a way that doesn't help anyone, only hurts me, then I'm just you know, well, destroying my own well-being. I want to give you some kudos here because there's a monk that I know. He's really, he's way up there. And he said, you know, when you turn toward the truth rather than away, it's a big point in your life. And you're talking about that. You said, I have to look at it. But the truth is you don't have to look at it. You I, could go the other way, <laughs> you know, and I would say 80%. Well, when I went the other yeah. way, it wasn't fun. Right. So. <laughs> well, you end up having to go to the bottom if you're going to go the other way. But, but yeah, the point yeah, is like yeah. turning toward is a habit. Turning toward is a choice, and you've done that. You've taken, you know, you, you turn toward that thing inside you. It's uncomfortable, but it's true. It's there, and then you're happier in the end of the thing. But yeah. it is a choice, and it yeah. is a mark, though, that you're at a different place than... Than you know, I was. Than you, than you were, because yeah. not only do you turn toward, you're like, I have to do this. Yeah. You know why? Because there's an integrity in me now that I have to listen to now. When well, doesn't that suck? You know, no, it doesn't, because it's true, because now it's real, and now you're walking this path of truth and you're like it's your truth though yeah. it's your truth oh my god oh, i love this conversation and what gets me there is my mantra so one of mine and please tell me yours is change happens when the pain happens so it could be i'm in an exercise class and i'm like i cannot hold this pose another second or like do this rep one more time but i know that the muscles change the body adapts when i'm in pain i mean i'm not saying like if you're if you're in real pain like quit the exercise but i'm just saying like when you're at that last muscle and you're shaking that's when the change is happening with your body and it's the same thing when you're working on your emotional stuff because when you're feeling the pain when you're feeling that moment when you're going back to childhood when you're going back to whatever you haven't resolved within yourself, it can actually help your relationship now. It can help everything that you're working on. It can help your business. But if you don't feel the pain, then the change can't happen. So I know when I'm feeling the pain, that's actually leading me to a place of change, mm. a positive change. Mm -hmm. So I always say that mantra. Do you have any mantras that you say? <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, let me think. What is yours? Change happens when the pain happens. I started it. I've never run a marathon, but I ran a half marathon. Okay. It was so hard. Okay, please. Good Lord. My hat goes off to all the runners out there. I love running, but I can't go more than two miles without dying. So I did a half marathon and I was at the last mile and I was walking and I was like, all right. Change mm. happens when the pain happens. I'm in so much pain. My back hurts. My thighs are like everything hurt. And I was <laughs> like, but I'm not going to walk through the finish line at the end of this. So I was like, change happens when the pain happens. And I ran the last mile. I jogged very slowly, but I fucking did it. You that's, know? that's crazy. That's well, that's it. You know, that leading edge of, of growth is extremely uncomfortable. You want to turn towards, yeah. not away. Turn towards. I'm working on it. Yeah. No, you're doing it. I don't, I don't think you're working on it. Yeah. Oh, Roy, Dr. V, 
This has been one of my favorite episodes, and I'm really excited because we're going to do a Q&A next week for part two of your episode. But right now, tell everyone where they can find you online. Buy that book. I know that you have some special offers for Food Heals Nation. Yes, I got a lot of things. So if you're listening, um, you can text to 345-345 and then put in the word HEAL, and it'll send you to our email list, and you'll get everything that way, 345-345-HEAL. Or you can go to RoyVMD, RoyV, R-O-Y-V-M-D.com. It's easy, and you'll get to our, our list that way as well. You can go to Instagram, which is RoyVongtama, M-D, V-O-N-G-T-A-M-A, RoyVongtama, M-D. And the same thing on Facebook, RoyVongtama, M-D. The book is available uh, through Amazon, and it's available as an audiobook for people who like to listen in the car. Which is me and most of our listeners. <laughs> yes, healing, healing Before You're Cured, Evidence-Based Guide to Taking Control of Your Body and Mind. That's available on Amazon. It's also available print. Also available ebook. So there's no reason you can't find it. Perfect. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. V. And we will see you next week. Food Heals Nation, we're back answering your questions with Roy. You're going to find out everything you need to know about how to heal yourself. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, women have experienced a strong desire to change their status update from hashtag blessed to hashtag OMG even more blessed than yesterday, hashtag loving life. If you experience any of these symptoms, make sure to tweet a Kardashian immediately.